Mark this morning, uh, Mark chapter 10. We are continuing our, uh, our series, working through Mark and, and seeing how, how Jesus uh, moves through his ministry to uh, finally end up uh, in Jerusalem and on the cross uh, for his people. Let's, uh, let's pray. If you still are, are finding your Bible, that's okay. You can, you can listen while finding that as well. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that we've gotten to sing praises to you this morning, Lord, that we have heard uh, how you are, are working in our church this morning uh, with, with the dedications of the children. And uh, Father, how we have committed both as those families and as a church to um, to do what we can uh, to lead those, those little hearts to you. Father, I thank you that your spirit is here. We ask now for your spirit's help, Lord, that he would fill us with the spirit, Lord, that he would open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds to the truth that is contained in your word, and that we would leave here changed. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 13. And if you've been like keeping track at home, you're probably thinking, hold up a second. We skipped something. We skipped a few verses there. Don't worry. We're going to come back to it. Uh, the, way, the way things worked out, we had some stuff. We had some people shuffle around. And so the verses got shuffled around. But we're going to get back to it. Don't worry. Um, and... So with that being said, a uh, little bit of context here. Uh, Jesus is still teaching and walking. Uh, they have um, uh, ended up now they're in a home, okay? So they're in a home, and that's where this story takes place. They're in somebody's house, and, uh, and Jesus is teaching again. And now we read in verse 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms. And blessed them, laying his hands on them. This is God's word. You know, this passage, we, we come to it, and sometimes we, a lot of times, I think we can misunderstand it. Why is that? Well, it, we, we're kind of a kid-centric society here in the U.S., right? And when we see, oh, it's about the, it's, it's, Jesus is talking about welcoming the children, we automatically think, oh, it's about the children, it's about the children. Of course it is. Because that's where we kind of build our life around sometimes, right? Sometimes it's even misunderstood by pastors. This was one of those weeks, okay? This was one of those weeks where one of your pastors misunderstood this text. And, and I was so grateful for the plurality of our team, of our pastoral team, right? Tom gave me a call and he's like, hey, man. Tom's way, great, way more gracious than I am, okay? He didn't say it like this, but he's like, hey, man, 
I think you need to spend more time in that passage. Here's what I think the main point of it is. And I was like, oh, you're, you're right. And why, why, why was I able to get you know, distracted there, partly because it's Mother's Day, partly because the children are here, and we're doing child dedications, and of course, we want to talk about the children and how Jesus welcomes the children. Easy to go, boop, oh yeah, here's what it means. That's not what it means. See, the children are, are merely an illustration. And Jesus, like any good teacher, he knows that the more powerful the illustration, the more prominent that truth is going to be in the people's hearts when he gives it to them, right? And he's like, man, I've got the greatest illustration ever. It's living, breathing, crying babies that everyone loves. And so the, the children are merely an illustration and the thing is, Jesus in the gospel of Mark, so Mark paints a picture of what the point of his gospel is, right? And Jesus, from the time he comes back from, from the wilderness, is painting a picture of what his coming is for. And what picture do they paint? It's about the, the kingdom. The gospel of Mark is about the kingdom. It's about the king who brings the kingdom. And this passage contains truths about the kingdom that the children illustrate. And see, they illustrate that the king, King Jesus, receives those who are needy, helpless, and dependent into his kingdom. We'll see this broken down in, in two pieces here. The, the children are received by the king. And the children paint a picture of those who would receive the kingdom. So let's jump in and see how, we, how, how this truth is illustrated, that King Jesus receives those who are needy, helpless, and dependent into his kingdom. Verse 13 again. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. Probably parents, probably mom and dad, maybe some aunts and uncles, but more than likely it's mom and dad that are bringing these children. Now, why? Well, Jesus is a popular guy. Jesus is a great preacher. Jesus is a great teacher. Let's take them to him. Let's get a blessing. Have you guys heard the things he says? Can you imagine what he's going to say about little, little Zechariah here? Of course he's going to say something good about Zechariah. Zechariah's a great baby. Let's take him there. Or Judah. Why didn't I use Judah? Could have used Levi too. Got all these great Hebrew names. Matthew or Mateo. Anyway, I digress. Maybe they, they are thinking about Jesus the way Nicodemus did, where, where he says, hey, he can't do all of these great things unless God were with him. If God's with him, we want our kid to be blessed by him. Let's take our kid there. Let's go. Whatever the reason, they're coming to Jesus. They're recognizing something about Jesus that's different, and they want their kids to be blessed by him. Now, the term used here for children makes it very clear that these are, are little children, okay? It's, it's not kids that are seven, eight, nine years old. No, the, the word used here often is used of nursing infants, or of those who are, are coming on the eighth day to be circumcised, it, it's very clear that it's little babies, infant children. 
infant children. Now, in Jewish uh, culture, it was common for a town to hire a rabbi to be the guy who would teach the kids the scriptures. But that didn't happen until about four or five years old. An infant, they're not, uh, we're not going to touch that infant. We're, we're going we're to wait until they're four or five. Why? Well, because at four or five, we all know if we've had a kid that's made it to four or five, like, yeah, they can, they can start learning by then. That's when we start school, right? They can start learning. They can regurgitate that knowledge. They can, they can do enough that's going to raise the esteem of that rabbi. That's why they wait till they're four or five. But these kids, they wouldn't even be able to do that. In essence, they have nothing to offer Jesus, nothing that's going to raise the profile of his ministry, nothing that's going to make him more of a prominent teacher. And what do we see happen? The disciples, they rebuke the parents. Picture this. The, the parents, they've got these, these little babies, and, and the, the, the house is crowded, and they're probably, you know, shouldering in there and like, hey, excuse me, hey, let me, let me get through, let me get through. And they get up there, and there's Peter. Because you know it's Peter, right? Like, it's always Peter, especially when it's something bad. And Peter's like, get those kids out of here. Y'all, what are y'all doing here? Go on. We ain't got, Jesus doesn't have time for that. He's busy with, with ministry. Yeah. You got to love these disciples. They paint a picture for us too, don't they? They get it wrong so often, and so do we. You, you remember last week, it's great that, that the Lord worked it out, that we're taking these, these, these verses out of, out of order, because just last week, when, G, when, when Jesus was telling us, about, when Ricky was telling us about who the greatest is, what did Jesus do? Put a child in their midst. And he said, you want to be great, welcome one of them in my name. And now it's Peter. I'm sure it's Peter. Probably not. Probably. Who's like, get these kids out of here. How often do we do the same thing? We just learned a lesson from the Lord. And a couple of days later, we're like, no, that's not, the, that, that's not right. And then it's like, I always call it the fat neck. See, whenever I was a, a kid, we'd... If we caught someone, you know, with their head down, we'd slap them on the back of the neck. And that's what the Lord does for us sometimes, right? Gives us that fat neck. We, we learn a lesson, and then we turn right around, and we do the exact opposite of that lesson. And it's like, uh, right here, the disciples get a fat neck. They're like, get out of here. And Jesus is like, guys, we just talked about this a few days ago. Didn't we? See, these, these kids had nothing that they could add. And the disciples were like, get away. And Jesus, huh, his reaction to that kind of thinking and, and, and conduct is indignation. It's one of the only times in scriptures that we see Jesus' anger rise. And it's because these little ones were being hindered from coming to him. 
The, the word that's used here means that his, his anger was aroused, his, his indignant, uh, he was indignant against what is assumed to be wrong. You could say that Jesus' base assumption about children is that they should be brought to him, that they're valuable, that they have worth. Why? Because they're made in his image. He's God himself. He's saying, nah, man, that's absolutely wrong. You rebuking these parents for bringing their kids to me is fundamentally wrong. And he welcomes them. He says, let the children come to me. And then he raises the stakes, right? It's like, you know, just in case the disciples weren't clear, just in case they didn't really understand what he said, he's like, let the children come to me. For to such. No, sorry. That's later. Don't hinder them from coming to me. He's not just like, hey, hey, let them come to me. He's like, don't you put up a roadblock at all. Don't, don't even put a rock that they might trip on if they're on their way to me. Don't hinder them. Jesus' desire is that these little children would come to him. It's his desire to see them brought to him. It's his desire that they come into his presence. Why? So that he could do exactly what the parents are wanting, so that he might touch them. That's his base assumption. Children should be brought to him. Children are made for him. And moms, today is Mother's Day, and we're grateful for all all that you do. We're grateful for the work behind the scenes. We're grateful that, that you have set up your home in such a way that you're bringing your kids to the Lord, that you're reading scripture with them, you, that you've brought them to church where they hear the preaching of God's word, where hopefully one day soon we're gonna have kids ministry open in the second service. Why? Because you're setting up your home in order to bring your kids to Jesus. And we may not see that all the time, but Jesus does. And he's not indignant toward that kind of behavior. I would say the opposite. He commends that kind of behavior. So good job, Mom. Good job. Keep fighting the good fight. But you know what? It's not just moms and dads who bring their kids to Jesus. It's not just them. It's the church too. Jesus' indignation was at the church. It was at the disciples. It was at 12 of the 11 guys, get it, who would be part of the first church. 12 of the 11 guys. The one didn't make it. It's the job of every disciple to bring children to to Jesus. That's why in the dedication earlier, there's a part that addresses the church and says, hey, church, are you going to do this? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? Are you going to pray for these families? Are you going to pray for these kids? Are you going to do all that you can to help these families bring their kids to the Lord? And we say what? With God's help, we will. 
That's why we're building a new kids ministry in the back here. That's why if a family wants their kid in kids ministry, we're like, hey, you can put them in kids ministry. If they want their kid in the service, we're like, hey, bring them into the service. We've got packets here at the back that are full of treats that Freddie made and prizes that, well, Vince can lie and say he made. I'm not lying. I didn't make them. We bought them. Teresa bought them and put them in the bag because she's awesome like that. See, he desires that they come to him. And it's the work of the whole church. It does take a village. And that village is called the church. And we do everything in our power as a church to make that happen because we want to reflect his heart. One of those things that we need to help us in that regard of of bringing more of these kids is we need more kids ministry leaders for this service. We We need staffing to to fill those new classrooms so that we can bring more kids to the Lord. And if you desire to welcome children and bring them, usher them into Jesus, this is a prime way to do so. It's a great way to do so. And, And men, given our role from the Lord, of leading in the home and the church, I would love to see more men serving in kids' ministry. I would love to see more men leading these kids to kids' ministry or to Jesus in our kids' ministry. I would love to serve there, but Teresa won't let me. She's like, no, you've got, you've got pastoral work to do on Sunday mornings here. And I'm like, man, there's pastoral work going on up in there, though. I want to be there. She's like, sorry, can't do it. So men, would some of you serve for me? In, in, in ushering and leading these kids to Jesus. What a great way, what a great way to be like our Savior, us welcoming kids and then bringing them to the Lord. If you want to serve, let us know, and we'll, we'll get that. We'll get that working. But, but why, why do we want to reflect the Savior's heart for these little ones? Well, he tells us in the next section, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. What does he mean when he says, for to such belong the kingdom of God? You see, the, the children illustrate something. The children show us something about the type of person that the kingdom of God belongs to. The needy. The helpless. The dependent. The needy, the helpless, and the dependent. Think about it. These children were in need of someone to bring them to the Lord. They they couldn't do it themselves. They were helpless against the rebuke of the disciples and the large crowds that were keeping them from coming to see Jesus. Mom and dad brought them nonetheless. And in the face of their helplessness, someone helped them. Finally, they were dependent on being welcomed by the king. Because they had nothing to offer him. See, they were dependent on the welcome because there's nothing that's going to elevate Jesus' standing once they get to him. And then, 
Jesus does it again. So, so just like in the first half of this, this text where he's like, hey, let the little children come to me. And then he's like, let's bump that up. Don't hinder them from coming to me. He says, hey, for to such belongs the kingdom. You know what? Let's, let's bump that up. Whoever does not receive the kingdom as a little child shall not enter it. What does that mean? Well, again, these children are infants. Does an infant know anything about faith? No, they don't. And a lot of times, again, see, we can, we can go, pew, take a right turn on this passage, right? Because we, we think this passage is talking about childlike faith. But once we, once we dig into it and we see it's about the kingdom and it's about how we approach the king and how we approach the kingdom, we realize, no, it's not about faith. It's about our heart. It's about our, under, our understanding of ourselves. See, it's the needy and the helpless and the dependent. Each one of us who have come to Jesus, we were needy, we were helpless, we were dependent on him, and he welcomed us. And because he welcomed us, we now can receive the kingdom. He received us so that we could receive his kingdom. So what does it mean, though, to come like a child or you shall not enter? Well, it means we come empty-handed. We come empty-handed. It's only empty hands that can be filled. It's only those who lack that can receive. It's only those who need help that, can be, that help can be given. It's only those who are in need that can be satisfied. It's only those who are dependent on Jesus and his sacrifice that can find what they need and what they're dependent on. But you have to come empty-handed. You have to come needy. You have to come helpless. You have to come dependent. Because if you come thinking, hey, I'm gifted. I can do X, Y, Z. You're coming with hands that are full and you can't receive anything else. If you come thinking, man, I'm smart. I'm going to be able to advance this kingdom once I'm in it. Jesus says, you shall not enter. See, Jesus doesn't need the flashy, the gifted, the smart, the good-looking, the people that think they're a catch. He says, you're not going to enter. You shall not enter. He's like Gandalf the Grave, standing on the bridge. You shall not pass. You're coming with hands full of gifts. If you're coming with hands with minds full of ways you can you can make things better. You shall not enter. We have to come like a child with nothing. You know, and in all actuality, I think we come worse off than these children. Okay? Like, man, look, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not at all saying that original sin. Is, is like not present in these children. There is, there is a sinful nature there, okay? 
But the thing is, they, they are not yet morally culpable for their sin like I was at 30 years old when I came to Jesus and all I had was, was 30 years of sinning to, to bring to them. And in my, you know, in my human estimation, I'm worse off than these little infants that are brought to him at that point. And I came very needy, very helpless. And I was dependent on him to receive me, and he did. And if you think about your own salvation, you were in the same boat more than likely. You, you came with nothing but a load of sin on your back, and it was weighing you down. And you, you were helpless before. You, you couldn't shrug it off. You couldn't get out from under it. And you needed him to receive you. Because you couldn't get into the kingdom with that load of sin. We come worse off. But he receives those who are needy. In need of righteousness, but, but found lacking. He provides perfect righteousness. See, we were helpless to pay for our sins. He provided a, a perfect wrath-absorbing sacrifice in the place of his people. See, we were dependent on him receiving us. So that we could then receive the kingdom. And he comes to those who, he receives those who come like a child. Because he receives the needy and the helpless and the dependent. And this has implications in two places, okay? It has implications in our homes and it has implications in, in missions as well. So, so implications in our homes. Man, parents, what are we doing to bring our kids to the Lord? What are we doing to remove every hindrance? To them coming to the Lord, why? That he might touch them. They were braving the crowds. They were standing up to Peter. This is probably Peter. We all know it was Peter, right? I'm pretty sure. They were, they were pushing their way through. Jesus says, let the children come. Don't hinder them. It has implications in mission as well. Who do we know that's needy and helpless? Maybe they're messy. Maybe their life doesn't fit the mold of what a, what a Christian should look like. Well, good, they're not a Christian yet. That's fine. Are we welcoming them? Or are we living in such a way that we're setting up roadblocks and hindrances? We got to remove those roadblocks too. We got to do everything in our power to make, to make straight paths in the desert to bring people to the Lord. Why? Because the Lord has come. The King has come and he wants to receive people that are helpless, powerless, needy, and dependent. Maybe right now they're only dependent on their sin and the pleasure that it brings. What are we doing to bring them? Why, why would we do that? Why would we do everything in our power to bring our kids and those we know who might need him? It's because of how this text ends. 
And he took them in his arms and blessed them. And he laid his hands on them. He laid his hands on them. Some of us have had Jesus lay lay his hands on us, right? We've been claimed in our uncleanness by the clean hands of Jesus when he laid them on us. We've been, we've been welcomed, received by the king who puts his hands on us so that we might receive him now. Jesus gives a standard Jewish rabbinic blessing. He, he welcomes the children and then he takes them in his arms and he embraces them and he blesses them giving a verbal blessing of God's love and care for the child. He, he may have even prophesied over them about some of, his, some of their future service to the Lord. What a sight, right? You got Peter up there yelling, get these kids out of here. Jesus yelling back at Peter, welcome them. Don't hinder them. And then he reaches out and he takes them. Finally, he lays his hands on them. The blessing of the Lord comes through embracing, speaking, and finally through his hands. And it's no different for us. It's no different for us. See, we, Jesus welcomed us to come to him. He didn't only welcome us. He drew us. Apart from him working in our hearts and drawing us to himself, we would never come. We would never leave our sin and the pleasure that it provided, the, 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 the slight momentary like, oh, man, that's so fun. That's so great. No, when, and total, complete lack of joy. And Jesus draws us to himself. We were helpless. We couldn't leave it. And he welcomed us. And then he embraced us. How did the Lord embrace us? Scripture tells us he who knew no sin did what? He became sin for us. He embraced the worst part of us, the worst part of our human experience. Jesus took it on himself. Powerless to give him anything that would be of benefit. The only thing in our power to give him was the sin that made it necessary that he go to the cross on our behalf. And he embraced us and our sin and our rebellion. And he spoke words of affirmation in the Father's love, right? As he hung suspended between heaven and earth. And he cried out, forgive them. They know not what they do. We didn't know... The only thing we had to offer him was our rebellion. We were needy. Needing not only guidance, but but love. Love of God. That's what we were made to enjoy. Finally, his blessing came through his hands as he was nailed to a bloody cross, purchasing and securing our pardon at the cost of his life. Drinking the full cup of God's wrath that our sin was due. Utterly dependent on him to provide that sacrifice. Our King Jesus receives those who are needy, 
helpless and dependent into his kingdom. Let's be about the same business he was about. Let's welcome those who are needy, helpless, and dependent in our lives. Let's welcome them into our lives. Let's welcome them into our families. Let's welcome them into our church. And Cross of Grace Church, I want to commend you. You are a welcoming church. I think you you mirror the Savior's heart in that. You, you welcome people who are new here. You welcome people who are messy. You, you are a welcoming church mirroring his heart. Let's continue to do that. Let's continue to do that. Let's not grow weary in doing good. Because you see what the church is? Do you know what the church is? It is an outpost of the kingdom. It's an outpost of the kingdom. And so when those needy, helpless, dependent people show up, we welcome them in Jesus' name. Because we were the same. We were needy, helpless, and dependent on him. And he received us into his kingdom when we came knowing, man, Jesus, I got nothing. I got nothing. And he said, come on in. I got everything you need. I got everything you need. So let's come to him empty-handed and let's bring those who were empty-handed with us as we, as we do so. Let's pray. Father, <laughs> Father, what a, what a text. What a truth that our king receives us, not based on our acclaim, not based on our standing, but based on how we approach him in our, in our emptiness, in our neediness, in our helplessness. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that reminder today. Father, help us every day to remember that we we still are needy. We need Jesus every day. We need him to receive us every day as we seek to receive those around us. Father, help us to reach out to those who we see that are needy, who need Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together.